This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. Good afternoon to you, the DL Link Show. This is this is where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination on 101.9 High FM. Nikki Seberini here. Ah, great to be with you. It's Thursday. We've had a little bit of sun, you know, not much, but a little bit. So that's always a good thing. And well, Israel turned 70, 70 years of independence. And I don't know if you're on social media, but the videos coming out of Israel and the celebration and you see this small little country that's been around for a short period of time. And wow, just what it has achieved, what comes out of Israel. It's a great source of pride and love and celebration so wonderful wonderful to be able to celebrate um, the independence of Israel 70 years and also you know I woke up this morning and I just thought as I woke up I thought "Mm, so what is my choice today what choices am I going to make today because I don't know how often you think about that when you jump out of bed you know we're going to just this automation we do what we have to do we quickly go into action mode and how many of you before you even jump out of bed open your eyes some of you may say a prayer and say thank you God I've been given another day and how many of you sit up and say I have a choice and what am I going to choose how am I going to choose to feel and what am I going to choose to think today and that's the wonderful thing is that we really really do have a choice and we're always reminded um, how powerful the choice is when we listen to the DL Link show because every single week we have warriors who come onto the show and they have a diagnosis but they have a choice and we are continually inspired week in and week out by the choices that these warriors make and I think that our warrior who's going to be joining us today is going to share the same story, the kind of choices that she makes every single day when she wakes up and how she sees her life. So what do we have in store for you today? Well, today we're going to be talking about skin cancer. Now, living in South Africa, we're so aware of putting on the sunblock. And I know I go to a dermatologist once a week and I'm uh, once a year and I'm always looking at the moles and the freckles and are they changing? And really what's very, very interesting is the kind of skin cancer we're talking about today is not just a mole. It's looking at all different types of skin cancer. So it's going to be a very, very interesting show. Our warrior, Patricia Flom, is going to be sharing her story of a very, very rare skin cancer that she has. And then we're going to be talking to her oncologist, Professor Rappaport, who's going to be sharing the kind of treatment um, that they are using for um, Patricia's particular cancer. Dr. Redwan Mia, who's been in the studio before, he's just an incredible incredibly generous spirit in every every way. He's a plastic surgeon, a reconstructive surgeon, and besides helping children in the Smile Foundation and with burns, and he also works a lot with cancer patients, and we're going to be talking about surgery in terms of cancer patients, and then Janine Starkey, who is an image consultant, is going to be talking about the building of one's self-esteem, um, which is something that, you know, we all actually need to listen to every now and then. So that's what we have in store for you 
today. Let's go over the numbers in case you would like to participate in the show and give a call or SMS. We always like to hear from you um, and also our guests like to hear from you. So if you'd like to SMS us, the SMS line is 34519. That is 34519. Um, you can directly call us on air on 074-654-7335. That's 074-654-7335. And if for any reason... You don't get to listen to the whole show or if there are any shows in the past that you'd like to listen to. The good news is that they are all podcast and they are all on the website. So you go to the Chai FM website, just click, look for podcasts, go to Thursday, the show, it's under Life Links, and just click that and all the dates will come up and you'll be able to have access to any of those shows, of course, any of the other shows on Chai FM as well. So we're going to take a quick break and after the break, I'm going to be introducing you to our warrior. Patricia, so stay with us. This is Life Links with a DL Link. Walking with Warriors on the DL Link show. So thank you for choosing to tune in, for staying tuned. We're going to be connecting you through insights, information and illumination um, during this next hour. And our warrior today is Patricia Flum, who has been on the studio, on the show before, and she's joining us this week to share her story and her journey of having skin cancer. Patricia, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming on to the show. It's my pleasure. So, you know, I started off saying we live in South Africa and we're very aware. Were you always aware of moles and funny little dark marks on your hands or on your shoulders? I mean, we all check one another, you know. We're very aware of that. Were you always aware of the moles? I never went in the sun. You never? Really? I never, like, I'm from Cape Town and all the beaches are there. I didn't like going to the beach and I... Hardly ever went in the sun. In fact, I think I was lacking in the vitamin, vitamin D. Vitamin D. Because I'm taking a large dose of it today. So are, you, are you feeling better having taken the vitamin D? I never D? felt bad before. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of people actually are suffering yeah. from vitamin D deficiency. So I never went in the sun. Uh, Who expects anything to happen to your skin? Especially if you've never been yeah. in the sun. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. You know, we we only focus on, well, I do. I'm speaking for myself on moles, yes. you know. But for you, your skin cancer was not a mole. Please tell us how it manifested in your body and on your skin. I uh, sort of woke up one day and I found a rash on my right breast. Mm-hmm. A little rash. Um, was it itchy? Nothing. It wasn't itchy. It wasn't sore. It alarmed me because of its position, because it was on my breast. And I have a cousin who had been suffering from inflammatory breast cancer. And it does often appear like that. I've never heard of inflammatory breast. It's one of the most dangerous ones. Okay. So I thought, oh my gosh, I wonder if I've got that. Uh, And so I went to seek help immediately. Mm -hmm. I went to a GP. I must tell you at this point, no GP that I've ever consulted has ever seen anything like this. They don't know what it is. Hmm. Even specialists have never seen this. What did, what did it look like? Uh, an ordinary rash. A little rash. It was about a, what, like an inch. Okay. And a, a rash. It a was flat. Rash. Yes. So red. A rash. little bit pinky red, okay. but not raised, nothing. Okay. So I decided to go to a uh, the GP and mm-hmm. he gave me cortisone injection, and mm-hmm. uh, no, cortisone cream mm-hmm. to be applied twice a day for two weeks. 
didn't touch sides. It never got better. And I left it. I really didn't. And nor did he think it was anything to worry about. You kind of got used to having this little rash yes, on your so breast. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I bumped into him a few weeks later. And I said, you know, that ointment didn't help me. And he said, I think you better consult with a skin, a dermatologist, mm-hmm. which I did. Uh, he immediately took a biopsy. And to my horror, he said, sit down. I was on the phone, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I was uh, on the phone. Uh, I was at school. And he said, just write this down. And it was um, cutaneous T cell lymphoma which is also a non-Hodgkin's disease and it has another name called mycosis fungioli wow. peculiar I, I, I mean that's a mouthful that's a, yes. but I, I'm, I'm stuck with the lymphoma yes because lymphoma we're talking about lymph nodes I mean that's yeah. what yeah. I've ever what is a lymphoma looking like a, a rash. rash on your breast I was shocked, as you can imagine. Mm. It, it, it quite knocked me out. Mm. And very soon after that, I made an appointment with a Dr. Bernardo, who you'll speak to soon. And uh, that's how my journey really began. So um, what, did the, what, did, what did the dermatologist say to you? So you've got this cutaneous non-Hodgkin's T-cell lymphoma. It's cancer. It's cancer. It's skin cancer. It is. But it's not a. It's not um, like a, a, a mole that we are going to remove. It's it's a rash. You cannot remove it. You cannot have any surgery on this. So it has to be treated either um, system as, um, <coughs> with medication or with ointments or also with radiation. So tell us what the next step was. So I was then introduced to. Uh, a radiation oncologist and I was quite happy about it you know I thought oh well you know they'll do something or other uh, he was very harsh on me um, in fact nobody's very been very kind to me about really? this and what do you mean harsh just uh, well he looked at me with his eyes glaring and I won't say who it was and he said you're not ready for chemotherapy not really. I didn't even know I'd ever have to go on to chemotherapy. Mm-hmm. And this was something I was always very frightened about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that night I went to a wedding and I cried all night. I cried all night. Ah, oh, can you imagine? Because uh, you knew nothing. Nothing. No one was giving you information. It's not like when you have breast cancer. You have so much help. People come and help you and tell you and explain, etc. Et no one knows. And so... Between the radiation oncologist, and uh, between the dermatologist, sorry, and the uh, oncologist, the medical oncologist, they decided they were going to do a treatment called light therapy. Mm -hmm. It looks like a shower. Yeah. You go into this thing, take off all your clothes, and uh, heat is transmitted to your body to the upper regions of your skin. Uh, I did this three times. How does it feel? Hot. You it's it? quite hot. Okay. You cover your eyes and um, you believe that it's, you take three minutes or five and you, you have a little bit sore. more it's every day. It's just hot. Okay. okay. Um, this was going on for three times a week mm-hmm. uh, for two years and it did not help at all. Sure. Not at all. So j- just describe the the rash on your breast. It hadn't reduced, had it grown, had it spread to other areas of your body at this point? Yes. 
So what happened, it wasn't only on now, it developed and went to the other side of my body. And apparently that indicates that it's going to go all over your body. If it was only on one side, they would think it's only on one side of your body. So that's when it became extreme. Yes. And possibly dangerous. Okay. Uh, Then I was sent for a Lots, lots of tests. A PET scan. Uh, I think every every scan that's known to man, and they all turned out clear. They examined me under my arms where lymphoma usually appears, and in your groin, no, nothing. The bloods were fine, and so it was decided I was first of all going to do the light therapy, and then I was going to go on to uh, radiation. So now I was introduced to a different radiation specialist, and this lady consulted with Dr. Rappaport on each treatment. Mm -hmm. This was called spot radiation. So every area, it wasn't everywhere as it is today. There was one here, one there, one there, one there, and it actually cleared it up. The radiation. Radiation definitely did the job. But the radiation became... Too much. Mm. How often were you going for radiation? uh, You went a course of 10, I think. It was a course of 10 every day. Wow. Wow. But that radiation doesn't go into your body either. It's only on those top layers of the skin. Okay. So no side effects? Nothing. Burning sensation at all? No. No? That's great. I sort of sailed through all these things. Uh I was tired a little bit, but I kept on with my life. And then the radiation oncologist decided this is not good. Either she was going to consider total radiation of the whole body. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. It cannot be healthy. Or a systemic approach. And that's what she discussed with Dr. Rappaport. And they decided to do a systemic approach, which is chemo. This was my big Fear. But you you didn't want it, yeah. I was terrified of the word. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'd use the word. I don't blame you. Uh, And that's what happened. I was first sent for heart uh, function tests because apparently this chemo can affect your heart. I was cleared of that and I started on what they call the red devil. Mm -hmm. Now, this is given to um, breast cancer sufferers. And and usually I wasn't very sick. I didn't suffer very much from it. I lost my hair. Yes, Yes, six months of the Red Devil, and I was very happy. Occasionally I had a little bit of vomit, but very occasionally. And I got through it, six months, nothing. Didn't touch sides, it didn't help me, and stopped. And at this point, Dr. Raff would say to me, do you know anybody in Israel? Why? I mean, I have a brother there. He said, because Israel has got the latest, the latest drugs that are available for a condition like yours. They have biological drugs today. That They have immune drugs. They have a lot of therapies that you don't have here. Not in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And that's the terrible pity. I even read in the newspaper here a few months ago that lymphoma patients and breast um Cancer sufferers are the ones who are going to suffer the most because the drugs that are specific to them today 
are not available in South Africa. Well, we're going to take a break and we're going to have Professor Rappaport on the on the show as well. And we're going to be asking the questions and why aren't those treatments available in South Africa? So let's take a break. Remember, if you have any questions for Professor Rappaport, you can always SMS us on 34519. Or if you'd like to contribute to Patricia's story as well, 34519. Stay with us. We're going to be back in just a moment. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Professor Bernardo Leon Rappaport on the line. Professor Rappaport, thank you very much for joining us. I know that you're a busy man, so we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. No, no pleasure. Eh? Professor, you know, I mean, Patricia's been talking about this cutaneous non-Hodgkin T-cell lymphoma and that it's a skin cancer. Maybe you can just tell us from a medical point of view a little bit more about this very, very rare cancer and why, you know, there's, there's no specific treatment for it at the moment. Well, the type of lymphoma is a cancer of the lymph node. It's not, that's uh, how you can define it. Now, this type of uh, cutaneous T-cell lymphoma is, is rare, but it's not that, that rare. You know, there are other cancers that are more rare. Right. And it starts on a, on a spot, and then it spreads, and then it can develop into, uh, spread to the glands after, and then it can go to the blood. It's called Cesare syndrome, and then it becomes a T-cell leukemia also. So it depends on what stage of the disease you are dealing with. Depends on the presentation. Okay. There are a lot of treatments because radiation therapy works in, on early stages, and then some people they with a specific light. You can uh, expose to that particular light that they call it UVA light, and then you can burn in inverted commas the tumor, and then the, the disease becomes refractory to that, and then it's difficult to treat because uh, they don't respond very well to the conventional hmm. type of chemotherapy that you give to patients. Mm-hmm. So, yes. with her, we found that, uh, like an old treatment, uh, like an oral chemotherapy, that you give it on lower doses, and it seems to be working quite well. At the moment, we're lucky with that. Uh, the, the problem is that some of the drugs that are available for that uh, overseas are not available in South Africa. And one of the things you wanted to discuss, I know, is uh, the lack of availability of some of these treatments. Uh, the registration process of the drugs are very long. Number one, number two, it's difficult to get funding for unregistered products in South Africa. The medical aid usually, when the products are not registered, they don't fund the treatment, and unless it's special cases, mm. only special cases. And uh, some of these drugs, um, they are extremely expensive also. So that's why one of the lack of availability of these treatments. So, but le- le- let's look at that, um, Professor Rappaport. First of all, just going back to. And you spoke about the light therapy. I know that Patricia went for that, um, and it didn't really do anything. I think for two years, then she went for the, the, the radiotherapy, the radiation therapy, and then the red devil. And the red devil is, I mean, I, I know that when, when I speak to warriors, breast cancer warriors, they talk about the, the red devil. Um, it, it, when, I mean, we haven't finished listening to Patricia's story about the kind of um, treatment and medication that's available overseas. Why is it a case? Um, and it must be incredibly frustrating for you as an oncologist that we, we simply don't have, especially with this kind of a cancer, the, the correct treatment at hand. Um, and, and, you know, what's holding us back? Why, why, aren't we, why aren't we exposed to these treatments in South Africa? Well, the, the, it's not 100 percent true. A lot of the new treatments are available in mm-hmm. South Africa. You okay. know, some of them are not available in South Africa. 
de, de affirmation to you, the registration process of the drugs are uh, uh, very long. It can take up to three or four years, and the field is evolving very quickly, so they come new molecules yeah. for new drugs or new products, and it's not easy to... To, to get the registration or funding also. Right. The funding, some of these drugs are very expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the new immunotherapies to treat another type of skin cancer, for example, melanoma, it can cost up to a million rands or sure. 1.2 million rands, depends on how much the patient weighs. Sure. And the, the, those treatments are extremely expensive. So uh, although they might be registered also, they are not available to the general public because of the cost. <laughs> the, the, and that, that is one of the major problems. Mm. So, so, is it so? If we have to identify, go back to what the problem is. You're saying that the registration process is a long process and it's a costly process. Yeah. So, if someone and wants some to, some of the diseases are very rare, and then they, the, the the number of patients in South Africa that they, they, that you can treat are not very much, like in this case. And not every patient with a particular cancer requires a particular treatment. And sometimes it's difficult, it's very expensive because there are very few patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so if someone, for example, wants to use a drug that you can only get overseas, how how do you arrange that, Professor? Um, you as an no, oncologist, it's pro- yes? It's a process in the country, and it's not that you cannot do it. Eh? Uh, providing that you have a private funding or, I don't know, a family member or something, you can import a drug and you have to get permission from the Medicine Control Council what they call uh, Section 21, mm-hmm. and then, uh, and then uh, the, the people importing the drug, I don't know, Roche or whoever is the company in concern, uh, the, one of the pharmaceutical companies, they will bring it in, and then they, they, they get delivered to the doctor or to the, to the practice or to the department or, and then to the patient, and uh, it might take uh, quite, you know, some time, but uh, you can obtain the... That's not an issue here. The problem with that situation is that most of the medical aid schemes, they don't, don't cover it. fund the unregistered products, also, which makes uh, access to the patients uh, difficult unless you do have funding, uh, private funding or some family member or whatever the uh, funding that they and um, uh, and also, I've heard that that sometimes um, certain treatments are only given at certain stages of of yeah. of the cancer, and that's where that becomes a problem as well. In t- I'm just talking about in terms of medical aids paying out. That it, it only at a particular stage will they administer a particular drug or particular treatment. Well, that that is is not hundred percent true, you know, yeah? because. Uh, if you don't use a treatment on certain stages because it's not data to support that. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're sitting with a cancer or drug, you know, that is a registered, some of the doctors or the patients, you know, they want to have that product, but you have to go by what is proven or evidence-based. So if the drug is not is used on a later stage of the cancer and they want to implement it on the early in the course of the illness, and you don't have a trial or data or a registration to support it, usually we don't recommend it, but some patients, they want it, or some doctors, they try to do it also like that. Mm. So in my particular practice, we practice evidence-based, and if the treatment is not approved or if the treatment is not proven to work 
in a particular setting, we don't recommend it usually. Mm. With you know, with cancer, there's there's so much research. There's so many new treatments coming out all the time. Patricia yeah. was just talking about what's happening in Israel, and for you as an oncologist, um, you know, you want to, I'm sure, be able to have access to all of these treatments. It almost seems, um, I, I don't know what the right word, futile is not the right word, but to administer some kind of treatment when you know that there is better treatment elsewhere that could do a better job must make it difficult for you as an oncologist. It's difficult sometimes because there are treatments that are available. And some of these new treatments like the immunotherapy for melanoma or for lung cancer is not, it's very sad because it's not available for the majority of South Africans right. unless you have the resources to pay for right. it. And I mean, we look at South Africa, first of all, I mean, you're talking about people who can afford uh, private health care, um, and then even they then wouldn't be able to, and just look at the masses of people who don't have private health care, and they problem, don't have, yeah. it's just, it's it's so terribly sad, really, and I, I just wonder what, what is needed, Professor, I mean, it's not a question for you as an oncologist, but as a, as a person, as a, you know, an ordinary citizen, looking at what's happening, I mean, what, what how, how can we expedite a process i mean is it just how it is um what 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 do, what do we do what, what who do we encourage who do we who do we talk well, to do I we put pressure on the and i'm sorry say that again i'm not a politician it's difficult to you know i mean <laughs> doctor, yeah I, I just wonder i mean do you put try try and put pressure on the medical aid do you try and put pressure on the 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 registration issue the registration yeah well the medical aid is a Sometimes it's a problem because uh, the schemes are uh, like a closed schemes and they cannot afford certain treatments because if they treat uh, the argument that they give in favor of the uh, not pain is the fact that uh, you can treat three or four patients and then there will be other 100 patients without being able to have coverage, you know. It's arguments both ways, you know that. Absolutely. Uh, Professor Rappaport, um, going back to Patricia, she spoke about going on the Red Devil and then, uh, you know, she, luckily enough for her, she didn't have the most terrible side effects. And now she's on a different kind of chemotherapy um, where she's taking the chemotherapy orally. Are you happy with the treatment? Or, because for you as well, with this kind of a cancer, you're, you're all trying to find your way forward with this um, uh, uh, lymphoma, T-cell lymphoma. Sometimes you need luck also when you treat patients. We put in on a low dose of the oral chemo that, they can, they, that you give the lower dose but on a daily basis. And obviously it made a trick on the patient and she's been doing extremely well, you know. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have to try and recommend the treatments and it works sometimes better on one patient and not on the other and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Amastelidoterebedal <coughs> is one of the important drugs to treat lymphomas in general as part of the backbone chemotherapy. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not only for... That drug is called doxyrubicin, and it's not only used for breast cancer. It's a widely used uh, chemotherapy agent to treat a lot of cancer. I hear you. You see, see some forms of lung cancer also you treat uh, with the red devil. You can use it also for treating sarcomas. Uh, you, you know, it's very important, as you mentioned, on breast cancer. Uh, gastric cancer also you treat it like that. So mm. it's one of the oldest and most um, 
I hear you. Um, and, and at the end of the day, as you yourself have said, and specifically with this kind of cancer, it's up to the individual how it spreads. And, and, and in terms of treatment, um, I'm sure you get to see how people respond differently. It's, it's all, it's all a, it's a juggling act, I'm sure, at times, Professor. Yeah. Mm. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. It's been lovely having you on the show, and thank you very much for your time. Yeah, no, no, don't worry. I hope that the information I provide you gives you some insight. Absolutely, it, it absolutely did. Thank you, Professor Rappaport. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Professor Bernardo um, Leon Rappaport, who is a specialist physician and medical oncologist at the Medical Oncology Center of Rosebank. In a moment, um, Dr. Ridwan Mia is going to be joining us. Um, and uh, uh, Patricia, I just, you know, we hear this over and over again. And just to know that there are treatments out there overseas and you know people medical aids don't cover and people don't have access so the answer was when you said do you know anyone in Israel what did you say yes or no Uh, well you would have to be able to be on their Kupat Cholim program. In, in other words, you it. have to be an immigrant. Okay. So you can. If you become an immigrant, I suppose you can go there and live there for six months. You're an immigrant and you can benefit from all their medical advances. But otherwise you can't. You'll have to pay thousands, if not a million rand. To be able to have access to that medication yes. in Israel. Yes. Wow. wow. So... Um, yeah, I don't want to put I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I think that must be very frustrating if if oncology is what you do, and you just you know you know that they're better drugs and you're dealing and, and you you're trying the very best you can with what you have. I think in today's world that must be frustrating. But we're going to move on to our next guest because the last time he was on the show, he was involved in a fundraiser and he always seems to be doing things and giving of himself. So it is always an absolute pleasure um, to welcome Dr. Ridwan Mia onto the show. Um, Ridwan, welcome. Thank you so much. Since I saw you last, you got married. That's true. (laughs) Ah, You're off the market, you're off the market and that's that. How's married life? Very good. So far, so good. Listen, you can't say much, but you're looking good for it. That's (laughs) all I can say. You You know, we're going to be talking about plastic surgery, but as a doctor and listening to Professor Rappaport and just hearing the kind of restrictions we have, first of all, in terms of registering new treatments, what medical aids will and won't cover. Cancer is so complex, but billions and billions and billions of dollars go up, just poured into research. So there's so much research happening. There's so many new treatments, but there are all these restrictions. And then we look at South Africa where people don't even have access to any kind of medical treatment. All I can say is just not fair. I can't think of another word. I sound like a child. It's not fair. I want to say welcome to our world. You know, I yeah, think must as, be so frustrating. as medical practitioners in South Africa, we find ourselves very frustrated when we look at the plight of our patients. Um, you know, many of them suffering from various types of cancers, uh, ranging from skin cancers, breast cancers, other organs in the body. And it's so difficult to see that most South African patients that suffer from cancer won't see, you know, the cutting edge. They won't see what really is available to them. Some of our patients who are lucky enough to be able to afford very good medical aid plans, those are those, those that are able to travel to countries that are where they have the facility available. Uh, you know, they're very lucky, but unfortunately, they're part of a very small minority. The majority of our patients are left at the mercy of state care. Yeah. And um, 
even those in the private sector, you know, our funders are not able to look after them effectively enough. There is no structured plan from the side of state health care to look after these patients. And unfortunately, whatever little is being given to them, you know, it helps some people. But the majority of people, unfortunately, will succumb mm. because of the, the nature of cancer. Mm. Uh, I, I did a pre-record. In fact, I'm going to have that doctor, the show, so I don't want to talk much about it. But, you know, he looks at the whole holistic approach. Yes. Um, and he says a, a lot of the treatments today, and because so much money goes into the research, a lot of the treatment is, um, what does he say? It's the allopathic medicine and that the holistic medicine needs to be a part of of that and you know I mean that's quite a controversial subject we can talk about but I, I actually wanted to ask Patricia because Patricia you've tried so many things you've tried light therapy then you tried radiation and it's this rare cancer and doctors just are not 100% sure then you tried the red devil and now you're on a different kind of chemotherapy these Correct. pills that you take all the time yes okay. two weeks of the month okay. I take four day and you, you, you showed me your body <sighs> And you've got these, it looks like bruises. I actually yes. thought you were bruised. They were much worse before. Okay. Because of uh, my taking these indoxin tablets, they have reduced in size. They have become paler. And I even had some that were bulging out. And they've gone flat. So this so chemo is working. working. It is working. Slowly, it is working. Okay. So then the question I'm asking, if we're looking at the holistic approach, and you're a plastic surgeon, but if you're looking at the holistic approach, have you tried anything else? Have you gone to a naturopath? Have I you have. gone to a homeopath? Have you looked at diet? Have you looked at any of these things? Um, the, no, I haven't done the diet because it's terribly harsh. I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if it, I can do it forever. Um, I have, I have been to uh, an alternate doctor who is also a medical doctor. Yes. And there are a lot of things that I was told to take extra vitamin C. Um, there are a lot of things that you take. Um, whether it helps or not, I don't know. Are you still taking it? No, no, I do take it. You see, and that's, that's, there's the challenge as well. And I'm, I'm using you as an example oh. sitting here is that it's we, we very often as patients hand everything over to our doctors. Mm -hmm. We kind of think that we have a diagnosis and this is the only form of treatment. And mm -hmm. I, I just think it's a conversation we need to be having on the DL Link show is that we are very, very much the masters of our body as well. You know, we must very much be in control of what we're eating, what we're exposing ourselves to, what that because it puts a lot of responsibility on doctors just to absolutely. I, th just I think to that, that's heal so that true. part. Yeah, it's, uh, you know what? Um, what you're touching on is something so relevant, and uh, it's something we try to express to our patients so often that they need to take responsibility for their illness and for their cancers mm. uh, in particular, and even for the causative factors of cancer. Yeah, you know, uh, we have so many patients who come to us with an active cancer. Um, and yet their diets haven't changed, their lifestyles haven't changed. Uh, we have patients who still smoke, uh, you know, and are cursing everything and everyone else for that. You know, there's a very positive links between high sugar foods and That's cancer. That's what people are saying. Uh, That's there's it. Very active links between sedentary lifestyles and cancer. Uh, smoking, you don't even have to begin to talk about yet. On every street corner, we see women 
uh, we see uh, people who are parents holding their children's hands uh, and, and then the other hand there's a cigarette. Mm. Um, you know, people live very irresponsibly. And those are the people who come in, uh, you know, and, and they're suffering from cancers and, and other diseases that also lead to cancers. Mm. So if you have a, a generally poor habitus, um, you've neglected your body in other ways, uh, you know, not enough sleep. Even that's been linked to the cause of cancer. Sure. You know, these are things that people need to take into account. You know, um, another harsh reality we have is many people in South Africa don't have a choice about the air they breathe Mm. and and how many toxins are in our environment. So it all goes together. So I like the the way you look at it holistically Mm. and and, and that you keep mentioning holistic care because all these are very relevant. Mm. I mean, when we take off that box of cereal from from the supermarket shelf and we feed it to our children every day, what kind of poisons are in there? Even high sugar foods. Oh, very, um, uh, what did I buy you know, just this morning? Uh, uh, exactly. Terrible. You know, we, uh. we need to think about every yeah. aspect. How how active are we in terms of our physical activity? Do we have uh, an exercise routine? Remember, our bodies have evolved to what they are according to the way our ancestors lived. They were hard workers. They worked the soil. Mm. They went out and they you know they they dug through uh, hard rock every day. They chased yeah. after animals. They you know they went about picking fruit from very difficult to reach places and that's mm. how they survived and that's how our bodies were made so you know we're not used to living in uh, our bodies are not made to sit behind a desk all day which let's face it many of us do we, we sit in sheltered environments we breathe bad air mm. we eat bad foods mm. you know it, it's it's actually if you think about it a very unnatural process for someone else to cultivate thousands and thousands of hectares of very pro-inflammatory foods and then the rest of us just sit and we make dough out of it and we eat it as yeah. if uh, there's no tomorrow mm-hmm. and then we look uh, you know people think we're vain but it's not vanity when you look at the outside of your body it's telling you things about what's going on inside That's we so all know true. look at a big stomach on a on an elderly man or a woman what does that tell you it tells you what the blood vessels around his heart his or her heart are doing if you look at the the condition of the skin if someone's ages if someone ages very quickly yes they've got a lot of sun what has that done to them They've weakened ligaments everywhere else in the body. How are their heart valves looking? What are the valves in in other parts of their bodies doing? How's their kidney function? Because they've weakened things like the ligaments around there as well. Hmm. The tubules are gone weak. Hmm. So, you know, God has made us in a way that he's given us clues. We look at look at the condition of your hair. Look at the condition of your nails. These are all indicators. And we must listen to these signs that he has put there for us. And when you don't... What happens? You neglect what's going on inside. So when you're drinking a, a very high sugary drink every day and so many times a day, you're damaging your skin. Yes, you're going to age faster. Your teeth are going to fall out. There's all kinds of things going to happen. Inflammatory great. illness. Inflammatory illness. Right. And what does that lead to? It leads to cancers, yes, but it also leads to other diseases that mm. we know. Diabetes, for example. Right. You know, in this country, colon cancer was unheard of in the indigenous population until, what, the 80s? When it suddenly skyrocketed because all of a sudden we've gone and told people that their natural foods are very high inflammatory foods, Mm. which is wrong. Mm. Their ancestors didn't eat that. And yet, you know, they were very healthy before that. Mm. These are not secrets. These are things that we know. Absolutely. And, and, we we have, and so we to have that. to and take responsibility. Absolutely. And, mm. um, and, and see the big picture. Mm. I love that you so, painted so that So long picture. before the chemotherapy drugs yeah. come in, yeah. we need to pay attention to all these things that lead to us having healthier bodies and, and, and bodies that will last longer and give us longer lives so we can enjoy our, our offspring. So true. Know? So true. Such wise words. 
And on those very, very wise words, I'm going to punctuate it with a quick break. We're going to be right back. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Dr. Ridwan Mia, who's an award-winning plastic and reconstructive surgeon, um, and he has his rooms at the Mediclinic Santon um, uh, Clinic. And I also then have Patricia Flom, who is our cancer warrior. And we're having a fabulous and very interesting conversation. And it also leads to, as I said, this show, this pre-record um, about this particular naturopath in America, this very outspoken doctor who said, it's not fair. We are seen as quacks. The Chinese herbal medication, the homeopaths, the naturopaths, we're called crazy people. No one takes us seriously. The fact that acupuncture has been around for thousands of years, you know, it's, it's just all the money goes into the allopathic um, medication. So it's, I'm so delighted, Ridon, that we, that you're here because it's kind of an introduction to what's coming. And I think that it's a dialogue that we need to continue with on the DL Link Show because we talk to warriors and we talk about treatment, but we always need to focus on How are we looking after ourselves? How are we managing ourselves? How are we taking responsibility for ourselves? So, Redwan, let's just look at in terms of you being a plastic surgeon, reconstructive surgeon, when do you deal with cancer patients? Okay, so our um, involvement can start very early on with someone just reporting a little mole or a little lesion on their skin that they're not sure about. And obviously it involves lots of investigations. We have to look at their cell counts. We have to look at, you know, things like their sun exposure, their family history, uh, predisposing factors. Like did they have a little mole that was what we would call, like for example, a pre-malignant lesion, something that was exposed to sun over many years. You know, in, in, in the early days, people didn't really know uh, the damaging effects of UV light. Mm. In fact, uh, doctors, as far as, as, I mean, not that long ago in the 60s, for example, were telling people to spend more time out in the sun because it was good for them. And made the them, vitamin D, uh, we need vitamin, vitamin D, D right. and so on. I mean, in a country like South Africa, we have, you get your vitamin D by not having to stand in the direct sun. You get so much glare. Uh, you know, there, there's, there's, there's more than enough that comes to all of us, uh, especially lighter-skinned people. We'll pick it up faster, you know. So it's not that you should have no sun, but you need to be careful. And, yeah, there's a lot of benefit from using things like SPF and so on. And then there's other cancers. Um, you know, being reconstructive surgeons, we often get patients presented to us by other doctors. So uh, breast surgeons, for example, will bring those with breast cancer to us and say, well, we're going to be excising a cancer reconstruction procedures, um, you know, would, would probably help this patient. Um, other other cancers on other parts of the body, you know, uh, big lymphoma lesions, for example, that we remove and then reconstruct those areas. Um, ENT surgeons will often bring head and neck cancers. That's where we, we see all the cancers in the mouth, the throat, the head and neck, uh, the remainder of the head and neck area, uh, you know, the vocal cords and so on. So we have to reconstruct those. Wow. So w- we often have to take the patient through a very long journey and they get to know us very well sure. because, you know, these procedures are, you know, it's not just one operation. Sometimes it's many operations um, using other parts of their body, using prosthetic material. Uh, you know, the idea is to give them something functional. Um, you know, someone with a bad melanoma, for example, on a thumb can lose the thumb or, uh, you know, a toe or and then other times it's spread. And then you have to, you know, look at things like amputations. And then how do you take the patient through a journey of uh, being functional? using a prosthetic limb, for example. So there's, there's so much that involves cancer reconstruction. 
Um, so, you know, patients are exposed to this uh, uh, and, and we have to manage them from the beginning all the way through mm. to living a functional life. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, we, we say there's no point in doing a successful reconstruction and, and then, you know, you've gone and debilitated the patient. So there's no use in doing a, a very wonderful looking reconstruction on a limb, for example, and then the patient can't use the limb. You know, it, it has to be something that has a functional benefit as well. And I'm sure you're dealing with people's emotions as well. When you've had to have, you've had to go into surgery, you've had to have a part of your body removed, then the, the reconstruction, um, and and uh, you know, just taking people on their journey. As you say, the reconstruction takes time. Mm-hmm. Must be a journey for you as well, as you said. You get to know one another very, very well. Yes, you do. You know, it's uh, it's. I think psychology plays a major part in plastic surgeons and mm. their patients' interaction. Uh, f- sometimes, far we spend far more time on the psychological aspects of it before we discuss the technicalities of their surgery. Uh, you know, the little medical uh, terms that come through. We have to talk about the implications for them, uh, their families, their lifestyles. You know, what modifications are going to be needed, and and just simply, you know, sitting with the psychiatrist sometimes and the patient to try and uh, work out what will be best for them. Mm. So. Mm. We were talking about, I started off the show, Patricia, we were talking about self-esteem. Um, and I was saying that, you know, you were sort of talking about what a journey it's been. But before, and before I, I go back to you, um, our, our next guest is is in the business of image. And, you know, you think about image and your image and what you look like. and But it says so much about, you, you were saying a little bit earlier, Redwan, that what's happening on the inside is seen on the outside. And sometimes mm-hmm. when we feel good on the outside, it can make us feel so good on the inside as well. (laughs) It's like, again, it goes back to the holistic. So I've got Janine Starkey um, on the line, who's an image consultant. Um, Janine, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, hello. Hello, Nikki, and thanks so much for the time, man. Well, listen, I know you're about to catch a plane. You're a mover and shaker and whatnot. <laughs> but, you know, I, I have, we're talking about, we've been talking about skin cancer. Um, Dr. Ridwan Mia is talking about reconstructive surgery and just, you know, the, this, the, the idea of how you feel on the outside and, and how important that is. As an image consultant, you know, we're talking about something about a disease and that's a very serious topic. How important is a person's image? Well, I mean, you speak to the, the image consultant here. Anyway, I believe that image is absolutely everything. You've got to you've got to replicate what's on the inside and project it on the outside. You know, we we talk about when you walk out the house in the morning, you've got to own your confidence and you've got to feel confidence and you've, you've got to look you've got to look confident. And that starts one hundred percent with your self image, but. It also both go hand in hand. It does relax, relate to both sides of the coin. Mm. You cannot have one without the other. So mm. for me, image is absolutely everything. And when you have someone who's come to you and they're not happy about the size of their body or maybe they've just gone for some reconstructive surgery, maybe they're recovering from breast cancer and they've, mm-hmm. you know, they've had to have um, their breasts removed and they're going for reconstructive surgery. How, how do you deal with that and how do you marry the two? You know, having the serious discussion about a person's health and, and um, having this kind of a disease and being able to put on a dress or being able to feel amazing and being able to feel so normal again? For sure. I mean, the first thing is to know that as image consultants, we need to be incredibly sensitive 
to whatever a woman's issue is. You know, whether whether she has had surgery or she's gone through a massive illness or she's lost copious amounts of weight or she's got baby weight on her because she hasn't been able to lose it or she's going to divorce. Whatever the issue is, we need to be sensitive to that. And we need to be very aware of um, how to handle and manage her issue and not, and not, you know, put her in anything that's going to be uncomfortable for her. The good thing with today's day and age is clothing you can cover and conceal and, and lift and shove and nip and tuck everything that's that you true. need to, which is all about, again, is what does she see when she looks in the mirror? And it's our responsibility to make sure that she feels confident in her skin and that she loves what she sees when she looks in the mirror and that she walks out of our consultations feeling that, that sense of pride and sense of love for herself. Well, I agree with you. Red One, I mean, you're in the business of, besides doing very important work, you work with burn victims, the the Smile Foundation, you're talking mm-hmm. about helping people with reconstructive surgery, you have cancer, but then also you have those who come along and they don't like the shape of their nose or they don't like mm-hmm. the size of their breasts or whatever it is. And we, we and, and, and you, you see a transformation. You see a person mm-hmm. emerge who feels amazing about themselves. Yeah, I think it can make a big difference. You know, often we get asked uh, as surgeons, do you prefer doing aesthetic or or reconstructive procedures? Yeah. And we, we often have to say, you know, to us, it's, it's pretty much all the same. We want to make a positive difference to someone's life. Right. We want to we want them to leave us better than they found us, you know, and, and we want them to feel uh, confident about themselves. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what you can do by improving something that, bothers someone or takes their confidence away. Mm. Um, you know, you see changes in relationships. You see changes in uh, job performance. Mm. You see changes in just the way they interact socially. And and these are things that are very important. They're very. often discounted mm. uh, from a psychological point of view. Mm. And and these things can make a big difference. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's so much work that has to go into deciding whether a patient is a deserving candidate or whether it's something realistic to ask for. Um, We've, we very often have to take patients through that counseling process. But, but we find that doing the surgery makes such a big difference. It's, it's a very beneficial thing. And, uh, you know, it's not just a, a superficial uh, vanity project in most people. In, in, in the majority of patients, it's something very sensible. Uh, it, it's often something that, uh, that, you know, is a bother to them. And, and once they've had their surgery, you know, they don't become these uh, plastic surgery addicts or, you know, these crazy people you see on TV. Mm-hmm. They, they actually handle it very sensibly and they'll come to you years later and say, you know, it made such a difference. Different way of experiencing uh, abs- a world. Absolutely. And, and it changes them very much in line with what we're talking about mm-hmm. now. It, it just changes their, their outlook. Yeah, I love that. I love that. We're going to have to say goodbye, Patricia. Is there anything you want to, in 30 seconds, say about your association with the DL Link and, and this journey that you've been on? Well, that DL Link is, is an amazing organization. Uh, they're available for everything that you may need. If you're not feeling well, they'll give you a meal, a whole meal. <laughs> they will make colors, bring you soup. Um, they will look after your children, uh, give you, go for lectures. There's just so much so they much. offer. So and much. that's where I've had some kind, a lot of help and positivity. And um, may they go on 
for many, many more years. And Healthy Patricia, us. and you wishing you just good health. And thank you for coming onto the show, sharing your story of your very rare cancer. Patricia Flam, Ridwan Mia, thank you so much, Dr. Pleasure. Mia, thank for you. coming onto the show. Janine Starkey, thank you so much. Um, and the question is, does your newborn baby cry for hours on end? Is your newborn baby's stomach swollen and hard? Does your newborn baby draw his or her knees to their chest and clench his or her fists? Well, your baby might very well be suffering from colic. So speak to your pharmacist about the Bennett solution to infant colic. For more information about colic and the symptoms, go to www.colic.co.za. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week, take care. Goodbye. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. 